LeBron and Kevin, you're great players, but no one voted for you. Millions elected Trump to be their coach. So keep the political commentary to yourself, or as someone once said, shut up and dribble. God damn, it's a new day. Welcome, welcome, y'all. We are back. This is the Get Up Podcast Season 2. What up? We got uh, <laughs> we got S-Dot. Yo, what's good? What's going on? And we got Pharaoh. Yo, we are people new and, the light. We are new and improved like the Hess truck. New and improved and back <laughs> and better than ever. It's Christmas. It's the same truck. <laughs> but we are new and improved here in Season 2. Uh, of the Get Up podcast, we had a you know took a little break. Season two. Yep, took our little break. Um, how what would you say? We got we we got together. We reorganized, shuffled some things around, put some things in place so that this can this puzzle. That yeah, we, we all needed a break from po- um, from politics for a little bit before yeah. we could um <laughs> dive back into that. While while S dot says that we um all got together of course during our first or second little powwow get up and um we mentioned that too where we said like it was like do you guys know what just recently happened in the news and we're all like no no <laughs> like do you, <laughs> you remember that pharaoh you remember that like podcast is on break i'm on break from watching things about uh <laughs> trump yeah i like, have to watch it if this podcast is on break <laughs> but we really do have to um we do have to de you know just remove that because that will uh, just listening to all the fuckery that happens yeah you got to decompress it a little bit oh. you know you keep listening to this guy being crazy and everybody being mad about it have you, you ready to you know take yeah. a long walk off the short the real plank. world's kind of peaceful without trump <laughs> it is right <laughs> that's i mean and as as pharaoh says that i mean we are in a real world but this is a different world and <laughs> you know this is one of our, our our beginning topics that i wanted to you know go in it's this is a different world and under this different world we have other topics that are called trump train wreck we're bringing that back from season one and um just trump train wreck right now is just everything. So I wanted to actually uh, read something to you guys and, of course, to our listeners um, that I actually just found when I heard uh, it was just so profound for some reason. It says domestic abuse allegations against a senior, uh, a senior aide were ignored. Right. And so that, of course, is talking about Rob Porter uh, pointing to a potential high level cover up. Two cabinet secretaries were caught charging taxpayers for luxury travel. Uh, we have a Playboy centerfold alleged on uh, an extramarital affair with the president or with Dotard. Uh, and the special counsel uh, counsel's Russia investigation was intent or is intensifying. Um, and it says the tumultuous, the, the, um, News was so intense that there were fervent speculations that President Trump might fight, uh, of course, fire his chief of staff. And this, of course, of course, is coming from uh, the Washington Post. Uh, the headline of that Washington Post um, 
article was for the weary White House uh, due to this Florida shooting offered a reprieve from scandals. Listen, <laughs> like, just listen to that again. It says this was a headline for the weary White House. Florida shootings that we're going to be speaking about offered a reprieve from scandals. And that headline came from a uh, source in the White House. Like a White House staffer said that. Yeah. This is a 2018. <laughs> That's ridiculous. All of that. And we just left President Obama, who was scandal free. Yeah, I mean, it's it's getting to the point where anything that's not bad Trump news is good for Trump. Um, you know, anything that he can cast blame on somebody else or just distract the public from what he's doing because he's doing such a bad job. I mean, if you look at what happened over the last couple of weeks where the, you know, the Dow had one of its worst weeks in worst history. Weeks. And the only thing he's been playing up for the last year has been how good the economy is doing and how great these tax cuts are. So he really hasn't had any form of good news for for forever. So, you know, having bad news about somebody else, um, even if it's a bunch of dead kids that he can't protect because he can't go against the NRA, is good news for him. And Estot, remember, there was a clip back in like the 90s, or is this actually not the 90s, this was this past, um, I would say, election, I mean, when um, President Obama was... Um, I, I would say going for up for election in 2008 mm-hmm. and Trump said that because the and this was because the um, actually no President Obama sorry was already president because this was when um, the economy was shit yeah and that's what he inherited but of course Trump was not going to come to his realization or come to reality or come to his senses and say all right he inherited President Obama inherited uh, a shit of an economy right so he said that that shit of economy should be contributed um to the current president of course that the current president at that time as i stated was president obama right. so now with this with the stock the stock market plummeting um uh plummeting down to i think like a, a, a negative a thousand percentage points or something <laughs> like that that shit should be contributed to the current president which is his bitch ass I mean, you know, um, not to get too deep into the weeds, but monetary policy is conducted by the Fed. Um, taking Most presidents don't take credit for the stock market or really that much of the economy because they really can't control it. It goes up, it goes down, depending on the whims of the market. So any president, like you never saw Barack Obama coming out like, oh, the, the stock market is doing so well because of me, because of me, because you never know what's going to happen to that it. That was a real president. Um, hold on, hold on. I disagree with that. I would say presidents, to some degree, each administration will take credit if the economy starts doing good during their reign. In subtle ways. Obama may not have done it directly, but best believe they released some memos and some job reports a little ahead of schedule just to be like, hey, motherfuckers are getting hired again. Check me out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I should have probably been more specific. I mean, about the stock market. So, like, if the country as a whole is doing well, you, everybody takes credit for that, right? They're like, oh, yeah, I'm president. That's why the country is doing well. But not the stock market. The stock market is at most random during most, you know, days of the week. So, taking credit for the stock market is a very dangerous game that most presidents don't take. Um, so, you know, Trump is not a thinking president. He's not somebody who really has any sense of perspective or um, nuance. So he can't really understand that. So when it's going well, he jumped in on it and he jumped in on that grenade when the stock market failed. Shit. Um, And the biggest, I mean, uh, talking about jumping on grenades or whatever the case may be, um, 
13 Russians indicted back on the 16th. Boom. By by Mueller, by Mueller uh, and and a, and team for election interference. Pharaoh, say that again. Not a single American, though. What is he doing? He's just playing games with us right now. I don't think so. Like, I, don't, I, don't, okay. I think Mueller. I think Mueller is like diving down. Like he's just knocking like he off the low hanging fruit. Something. Yes. But I don't know why he's playing the long game. Like he clearly has something. It's like <laughs> I'm starting to see. Put the little pieces together. Like. He clearly has something. I don't think he has enough to take out the president, so maybe that's what he's looking for. But he definitely has enough to take out some of those senior cabinet position people. I mean, he had so he actually had enough the day before that on the fifteenth. Filed new criminal uh, conduct uh, charges against Manafort. Uh, so relating to uh, mortgage, uh, I mean uh, business dealings or mortgage fraud, should I say? <laughs> Yeah, um, but Manafort's small fish. Like, but I feel like he's going after he, the small fish that then connect yeah, the like, dots. Like this shit is just connecting the dots right now because. So so okay so so he um, brought uh blah, 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 sorry he he indicted thirteen Russians right yeah he filed um additional charges against Manafort and he just filed new charges against a Russian linked lawyer Alex Vanderswan uh charged with lying to special counsel team so uh, so all of these all of these indictments right now and and um these people are pleading guilty mm-hmm. these people like a lot of them are pleading guilty there was that one um that uh pled guilty that will then most likely testify against Manafort so all of these low hanging fruits are a, that you know dots are connected to them and i know mueller has some shit (laughs) um yeah i mean one theory i heard floated was that the reason he indicted all those russians was to indemnify himself from criticism they could say oh you know like it's hard for them to say he's being partisan when he's going after the russian government and then it's also hard for you know republicans to say oh there's nothing here there's been no um there was no interference this is all made up when he's indicting russians they're all going to jump on that bandwagon and say oh russia was actually attacking us and actually running this you know campaign to get a specific president elected mm. once you can prove that then it's hard to say that the whole investigation is a hoax right and then you can kind of move so, on and move your way up that chain it was more like Spencer, a i think he just made a great point i mean Esther, i think you just made a great point what uh because i didn't realize that that's what it is Mueller is not trying a case like he's not doing a thorough invest. He's not doing a real investigation. He's presenting the argument to the American people that they'll accept. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's all, what that's doing. all he could actually do that, right now. Yeah, like they- no, 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 no. Hey, hey uh, 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 DJ, I think that's the thing that we're not realizing. A lot of people in the FBI talk very highly about Mueller, but oh, now yeah. I'm really starting to oh, see yeah. why. Oh yeah, he's a tactical investigator mm. and right now based on what Spencer just said and i'm like looking i was looking like something's missing that's what he's doing he's not presenting he's not going in to arrest people he's presenting a case that the american people will accept but that's what um and what i was saying is that is what the uh, special counsel is supposed to do so basically what Mueller is supposed to do is gather the gather these findings and present all of this information uh to to congress so that they could most likely hopefully file articles of impeachment 
Yeah, and I mean, even... But see, what I'm saying is, if he had the information, he probably has all that information to do that, mm-hmm. but that's not what he's doing. He's slowly... Rele- like, right you, now, yeah. we're using the... They're trying things in the public opinion court, because right now, the, the uh, intelligence community doesn't have faith in the politicians. Oh, no, They're nobody does. now in the people. But are you, but you see what I'm saying? Like, mm. this is the danger of the time. Yeah. The intelligence community is now releasing information in hopes of convincing the people of their argument. Oh, yeah. Not the politicians who actually, they want to convince the people first because they want the people to put the pressure on the politicians. Yeah. This is fun. Like, this is a huge change. Yeah. This means it's no longer backdoor Congress deals. It's all out in the open because they no longer trust each other. That's huge. I think it's also important um, in that Mueller is, like you said, he's a tactician, right? If he goes straight for Trump now, Trump could fire him and he knows damn well Congress wouldn't do a damn thing about it. They can pretend like they'd be all up in arms, but you've seen what he's done throughout time and they've just learned to accept it. Now, if you wait and you kind of build this case, build this case for the people to really understand, and then you wait until maybe the midterm elections that are coming up in a couple of months, and then start really going after the big fish, when he goes to make some crazy move like that, you have a Democratic Congress or a Democratic Senate, um, hopefully, depending, to protect him from that move, or who would move to impeach him the second he really tried to... Um, get rid of Mueller. So he's doing something to protect himself and also build that case so that it's really hard to um, describe him as a political hack or somebody who's just really out there for the Democrats and uh, Trump hater. Yeah, and not to and not to say that I disagree with with what you say. I want to. I most likely probably just want to um, put something in there. Is that um, they were um, they meaning um, the media. Uh, they were speculating about a month or so ago that um, or asking the question, what happens if um, what happens if Trump did fire uh, Mueller? Because they were saying this was before McCabe, uh, who was the um, acting deputy um, FBI director, I want to say. McCabe. Yeah. Um, and that also goes into my point of how many people have left, you know, the Trump tra- that, you know, the I, well, granted, McCabe wasn't not in the Trump ca- um, cabinet, but who have left uh, White House uh, positions mm-hmm. uh, under Trump. But of course, we're going to get into that later. But um, so, yeah. So with with all that being said, it's it's so interesting to see that he has not done so. Yeah. But if he did. ooh. Well, <laughs> if he's if uh, the ramifications, if he fired that, if he what fired are, Mueller, there it, are no ridiculous. ramifications yeah. at this point. If Trump followed, I don't no, know. If he fired, if it, if he fired him right now, it would just go into the heap of crazy things Trump's did. It would just be the most dangerous thing so far. I agree with you. But the guess what? Part, yeah. Congress could still appoint another special counsel. Mm. I think the question is, do you really have faith in uh, Paul Ryan and um, Mitch McConnell to stand up in the in the face of injustice and uh, fight for the American people? Mm. No. Mm. Um, no. They, they still got, you know, they got to get rid of entitlements real quick. They got to stop giving money to poor people and they got to um, get rid of some brown people. So, you know, that has to, you know, you have to put justice on the back burner until mm. they get that out. Mm. Um, so I was mentioning uh, previously that there was a Trump aide uh, that Mueller was able to 
get to plead guilty. Uh, I didn't mention his name before, but his name is Richard Gates. Uh, he was a former Trump aide, and somehow he was connected to Manafort, who was connected to um, who's that? Um, I don't know if you guys are going to know the name of um, uh, Wilbur Ross somehow connected to Wilbur Ross because of the uh, bank of the Deutsche Bank or whatever the case is. Somehow these things are all linked together. All of this. Manafort, this dude Richard Gates, all of it. Um, And then just also talking about just the rocky or shaky foundation that we have for the White House. How many of these these, uh, cabinet members, so to speak, have... um, Security clearances. Did you guys hear about that shit? <laughs> like none of them. Nobody, especially in way. And, and I wanted to actually sh- um, shed light on ex- specific, uh, specifically one person, Jared Kushner. So wait, wait, yeah. hold on. Yeah. And not only does Jared Kushner not have access, he requests the most. Thank you. Documents out of anybody else in the White House, and documents so. being um, top secret documents from uh, from uh, the what is it, wherever they would request it from. Where is it? Like the um, CIA? Well, from the intelligence intelligence agencies. committee. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I'm glad that Farrell mentioned that because he had and um, General or what's his name Robert Kelly, who is the uh, well, yeah, the chief of staff, the chief of staff, right? Said so, he's firing everybody who uh, on Friday. Thank so you. Friday, uh, Kushner might be working in the calf cafeteria. All interim, all, all um, interim uh, uh, security clearances that have been given out that have um, you know have not been moved on, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. by the intelligence community uh, will be all. All of them will just be revoked after this coming Friday. Yeah. So Jared Kushner, who has received all basically top documents uh you know top secret documents and have has seen this information may have his uh his clearance revoked revoked, right and he needs because there's a reason so this has been since if we want to think about this since what january last, last january not this past january but last year january and he has not had, for some reason, and this is a good reason, but for some reason, the intelligence community has not given him a, a, a permanent security clearance because they know what this fuck this dude is doing, dude. What do you mean for some reason? He openly met with the Russians. That is true. <laughs> He's like, not on one reason. We know the reason. Like, that's how much stuff has happened. Yeah. People are literally forgetting the reason why we have the problem. Like, we know the reason. He met with the Russians. He sat in the meeting with them. And with China, also, I just want to add that too. And the China's the China's officials, one of China's officials, uh, released a, a, a statement saying that he discussed business dealings alongside policy talks. And this is coming from the Washington Post. Like, <sighs> come on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but before, but just to keep going because I know um, I didn't want to spend too much time on Trump train wreck because, of course, our you know heads can just explode. But uh, also, this Stormy Daniels. They're also investigating his lawyer right now, dude. <laughs> they are investigating his lawyer for um like wire or fraud or something of that because it, they, he may have not um put that he about this hundred thirty thousand dollars on his tax returns. Yeah, I mean, get him, his, his, get him, get him, get him. Even get though, him, yo, his lawyer's down for the tea, man. You you need a road dog like your lawyer, like that lawyer, to be like, nah, I paid and jump on that grenade because basically. There's so 132 on grenades. There's a $132,000 payment that leaves the Trump administ- the Trump campaign goes to like nowhere and then all of a sudden it shows up in Stormy Daniels account. Yes. And they're like, "Oh, um we didn't pay, we paid such and such whatever." But it's like the exact same time, you know, exact same number. It's like, you know, 
it's very were, circumstantial, but it's like weren't smoking. there different like excuses that came out? Like he, they were like, "Oh, we did," but some, like, yeah. something about like, like for example, like we did pay her, but then something else happened. And be like, "Oh, well, no." The um, it's, the the lawyer um paid paid pay her, her out of my exactly, pocket because so he's trying to deflect it because that's campaign fraud Boom. if you do that. Boom. Um, it's one of the things that's interesting too if you watch Stormy Daniels' interviews. So basically, she is not allowed to talk about the settlement that she got because she signed and and yeah, Trump is saying that they never gave her money. So like like it's this weird like quasi state where it's like oh i can't talk about the thing that didn't happen <laughs> uh, so she gives all these like weird interviews again, which is kind of funny it's <laughs> <laughs> like stormy daniels is not allowed to talk about the thing that didn't happen right like so these you know lies, like it's you, can't, just, you can't keep lying man what did the good remember like say? back in the day when like if you had um if you paid off a a porn star for <laughs> sleeping outside of your marriage your political yes. career was over remember yep. like back in the day when that would have been a problem you see that but and we think about <laughs> things most likely I mean, being a problem I like mean, yeah go ahead Farrell sorry on the scale of things Trump has done I think this was a relief for most of us <laughs> we're like oh he slept and paid off a porn star some normal rich guy rich white guy <laughs> shit. just some normal shit <laughs> some, and, something so, normal and, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, and I think that's why most of us are like okay sure it's not blowing up Smits <laughs> I mean that's that because people are just like oh yeah good thank you ah uh, no, I get why it's not. Like, of, of all the things, like, nuclear holocaust that he's trying to bring to us, I mean, you know, like, yeah, the Stormy Daniels thing isn't a big thing, but I just, like, like remember back in the day when that would have been a Like, imagine if Barack Obama was out there smashing porn stars um, in the White House. Like, that would have been... About- or what about his no. other aides, Rob Porter, uh, <laughs> who is his staff secretary, beating, beating his uh, his two ex-wives? Yeah. And... and uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders coming out like, oh, he's a great person. Hold on, hold on. What? I would say that the guy beating his wife thing is only really major now because of the Me Too movement. If this had happened two White Houses ago, we wouldn't have heard about it. <laughs> I mean, we heard about um, Bill Clinton, and he was getting head in the in the White House. You wouldn't think that we would hear yeah, this? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is different. You wouldn't have heard this. And you barely heard that. Well, because like if you think about all the congressmen who are now getting arrest, you know, um, brought up on sexual harassment and all those types of charges, that was held, held, you know, secret until recently. Especially, Trump, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it might have been something where it was just like, oh, okay, cool, like you do your little settlement, and then nobody says nothing about it. Look at that, <laughs> and especially uh, some of or most of Trump's picks have either had some sort of domestic abuse uh, against them. There was a, re- a recent one that um, happened that um, what that. Apparently, this this uh, this woman who was abused by a um, by official like back in the Bo- or the Reagan or Nixon era, should I say? Right. Mm-hmm. She then somehow saw somebody that or a lady that was now saying that she was that she was uh, beat up by uh, another White House uh, uh, staffer under President or Donald Trump. I, I, I can't I can't even say president. But, um, you know, said it. So she came back, uh, looked through old tapes because um, Oprah Winfrey aired something about, um, I would say, upper uh, uh, upper class women who have been, you know, domestically uh, abused uh, yeah. by the by their husbands and so forth. And came back and tapes are you know are being sent in to and in, to uh, stop this uh pick uh, one of trump's picks from you know actually, actually being yeah, confirmed yeah. so it's like 
it's just something else, man. You see all these picks <laughs> day, like you have day. domestic abuse um um do uh people that he's that he's picking for his cabinet. Like people who are um somehow linked to to Russian oligarchs and all this stuff. Like Well he just doesn't vet his people ooh, properly. He doesn't know how to he doesn't know how to do down. proper vetting and you know, now you end up with all this kind of but stuff. But Mueller, we got your back, baby. Mueller, we got your back. Um and then also we were speaking about uh, we were speaking about um, actually how I first brought this uh, this podcast in um, just about all of those particular I would say damaging headlines uh, that have been coming um, across uh, the media um, so forth. But the reason for that particular little speech that I made was because that that particular statement came from a White House staffer in regards to the shooting that just happened last week, Wednesday, uh, in, in Florida. And they were saying that, or the reason why they said that is because all of this shit happened and it's a reprieve. Oh, thank God. Uh, this shooting happened. So now these white house staffers don't have to, uh, you know, or they don't have to keep working to cover up and to put a bandaid on all this shit that that this dotar dude in White House is doing, right? <laughs> but our hearts most definitely go out to these seventeen um, students and um, well, seventeen people altogether, sixteen students and one teacher uh, that were murdered um, by uh, by this guy and the so, white supremacist. The white supremacist, yes, exactly, and uh, unfortunately. I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, and I think... There are always a white supremacist. <laughs> one, of, like, one of the... 95% of the time. <laughs> one of the nationalists, uh, nationalist groups or whatever, claimed this dude, claimed this fucker, this, this fucker who, fuck, who uh, shot up the school. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even... I, I, I do think it's important to to know his background and know because like you know that was what they would do for African American right yeah it was the black we guy who shot know. the school yeah. you would yeah. know every time he rolled a blunt every yeah. time he was suspended everything yeah. so you know if he's the avid Trump supporter who's running around with white supremacists we do need to know that yeah but I I at, at the end of the day it's like there's all these people shooting up schools the problem is these people are shooting up schools and shooting people at random like mass shootings in the united states yeah. it doesn't really matter who's doing it it's just a problem that needs to be solved Did you guys hear that the cia uh or the fbi could have stopped this potentially because um there were uh he was like on a watch list or yeah something. he was on there on were a like a list. lot of no, 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 no i read no no someone called in about this guy to a hotline on, in the beginning of January, oh, they had a full month to check this guy out, and he also left a YouTube comment, yeah. a comment yep. in his name saying, "I'll be a professional school shooter." Yep. I could like literally. You can't say shit. It, they yeah. let it happen. I will tell you. It's, and- it was- so I mean, just real quick. Um, so like one of the things that I found to be just really enlightening was David Frum was talking about how he's like nowadays in the United States, you could be the most like crazy looking violent criminal, but your gun rights precede any rights yeah. to other people for their lives. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact of the matter is, even if the FBI wanted to investigate him and do something to him, as long as he didn't do anything illegal, he's allowed he's to fine. still go purchase a gun yep. and walk dead into the school with the gun because yep. those are his rights and nobody can can stop him from doing that yeah and that comes before children's lives 
that comes first. Your gun rights. And so right now, um, no, no, no. Yeah. White men's gun rights. That's true. White men's. Like, yeah. Let's say oh, that. Let us let's not say that. kid ourselves because the evidence clearly shows that if a white woman does something with a gun, they're prosecuting her. If a black man does, they're prosecuting him. The it is man. almost just white men's gun rights. That's the, really the only group we're talking about because no other group is benefiting from these laws. Mm. And so um, right now, I don't know if you guys saw, but the uh, students at um, at Douglas um, at the Douglas High School um, have actually now uh, started a never again hashtag never again movement. Um, the creator of the group, uh, Cameron Caskey, uh, created it. Uh, you guys seen those um, uh, the speeches that these students have been making, um, and also they've been protesting. They yeah. also did a lay in or a lie in in uh, a protest outside the White House to demand action on gun control um, after this um, after this Florida shooting. Have you guys been seeing these? Um, you know these. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they've been making. so can I say something? Like, yeah. I don't want to take away from these kids, but I thought a lot of their activities were great. Uh, they had a couple of really great speakers, but I've also seen a few of them give interviews and come off as yes, very yes. millennial. Yeah, yeah. So it was and what do you mean much, by that? What do you mean it by was that? Very program? much. Yes, yes. Just not representing the best of our future. What do you? But what? But, but uh, in the way, to... in the way, in the way they responded or kind of like approached the questions. And so you I mean... don't know. I don't know if this was the right way. The media. I don't know if the media for the media. This was the right way to build sympathy. So how did they approach it? Like that's what I'm trying to get. Like, like so it's not you, that yeah. they approached it wrong. Look, I think I, I know what you're talking about. Wrong, yeah, but I don't think children are the best messengers after they just suffered a very traumatic event i understand but what do you mean and by like what you're saying in regards to how they approach like you know these like kids, yeah. just i didn't feel like like i was listening to some of the way the way these kids answered the questions yep and it just sounded yeah. very very there it, like there was one uh, and um the English was very broken. It's not even the the to, some degree. to me. To I me, maybe not that thin. To me, it maybe wasn't the structures. It just sounded like it was too soon to have these kids on TV asking questions about a very real traumatic event they just suffered. Yeah, to me, it was um, like how uh, Farrell was saying that the way that they were answering these questions. So the way that they were um, answering these questions, like I'm proud to be an eagle. Like, do you have that much school pride? Like, I'm just, I mean, like, did, did you see that, uh, Estot? Like, did uh, I? I just think that I think we see this. He was like one of that. Where a couple of them were like, "I'm proud to be an eagle. I'm proud to wear these letters." Like, I don't think I ever said that when I was in high school. I don't know. I mean, and don't get me I, wrong. I, like, I feel like with <laughs> I feel like what. <laughs> yeah like we went to fox lane high school and i'm like like i'm proud to wear these this i don't know i went to nyack and he went and to every, nyack. people were pretty proud of being people were pretty proud of being nyack indians oh, even okay. to this day all right i mean it's so just the, me i was like so, the some town of the, the town pride is i mean they could high. have they could have i mean specifically that this is the south i mean south has um you well know, no like football. i i feel like if your sh- your school got shot up you'd be you'd have a lot more school pride okay i got you um I got you. I got and you. Then i I agree with Farrell in that, you know, it's not really right to after uh, 16 and 17 year old and 15 year old get their school shot up to stick a microphone in their face and yeah. tell them to talk about gun rights. But they've been really um, well spoken. I think I have they, to say they that. have been. I mean, they've they're more really well-spoken well spoken than like Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, oh, oh, I, I, I don't shade. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. But also, like, if you really think about it, I mean, it's not being well-spoken that helps you out, right? Like, if you read Trump's uh, Trump's speeches, he sounds like he's having a stroke half the time. Yeah. Um, but people respond to it because they, they respond to quote-unquote real. They're like, oh, he's, he's speaking from the heart. He's speaking real. Oh, that's so what, people, yeah, people like that. Freedom of speech, yeah. N- yeah. Not freedom of speech, but more like... But that's what they tout for the most it's, part. It's more like a race to the bottom. Yeah. Everybody, everybody is like, oh, they... They sound like me because they can't have an eloquent speech. Yeah, Most people can. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like people do relate to people speaking that way because it sounds more like how other people speak. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's but like. Is that real? Uh, is that real? Um, it, it, Who speaks like that? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is that really real? Like, dude, I'm I, just saying, read a Trump speech. Like, yeah. everybody's like, oh, how he, he speaks to the no, people. Like, you, I'm, yeah. I'm saying, yeah. like, everybody doesn't go up there and speak like, you know, um, Barack Obama, just um, Kennedy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That's yeah. not how people really um, express themselves. Yeah. So you know. So let me tell you, Trump. Trump is expressing himself. Trump is expressing himself like he always does. The you know in in. Um, his idiotic ways uh but you know trump is trying to blame obama and the dems for not stopping russia meddling and uh blames the fbi for probing too much into the russia collusion that the fbi of course missed the signals to stop this douglas shooting do you guys did you guys hear about that he's just grabbing that straw uh, but then but grabbing that straws but, like, and also playing playing DJ, 18 rounds hold on one Are sec Farrell. hold on shot. one sec and he's playing and he's playing 18 holes of golf why these students are having funerals, but trying to blame other people on, and he was playing 18, 18 rounds of golf on president's day, but this massacre just happened. This shooting just happened. And he was damn near a few hours away from where this actually happened is Mar-a-Lago. And this is supposed to be a president. Go ahead, Farrell. My fault. I mean, are you really shocked? Mar-a-Lago is right down the road from this place. Yeah. That's what I heard. That's it's what I very heard. close. Yeah. I mean, are we really shocked? No, you're not shocked. He mm. does what he does. Yeah. This is what he does. This is his, is this his first school shooting? Uh, or the first publicized one of his presidency? No, no, no. This is not the first school shooting. Oh, see that? And that's, isn't this sad that we have to be like, damn, how many shootings have there been? We don't even know. Because I remember the Vegas one, but no one talks about it anymore. So Vegas did it really happen? Was Pulse, Night, sure. Pulse nightclub was under him, too. No, that was under. That um, was on the no, that was that was long ago. That okay. was long ago. It was yeah. yeah that was long. So it was a Vegas shooting, and then this. Yeah, I mean, I think. And there then are, there was like two or some uh, others. Like this is ridiculous. Honestly, we only hear about the the big ones. <laughs> Right, so there have been other school shootings where maybe only one or two people died, or yeah. maybe a couple only, people got shot. Only one or two people. Um, but you know, we're so desensitized that it's unless crazy. you blow up the whole school, you don't get national news anymore Fair. for shooting up fifteen. Fair. You year remember olds. we actually, we actually <laughs> said that. Yeah, it's we, so sad, but you gotta hit double digits. Yeah, we gotta hit like yeah. double digits oh, no. for people to really be like, I feel oh, what? Some, who died? Oh shoot, ten? Oh, it's more than ten. It's real. <laughs> How many people got shot in the preschool today? I, I oh, so not bad. eight. Nah, that's not news, but that's, man. Who but cares? The, and, it's, and it's so crazy, but this is where we're at right now because I remember we stated this We fucking too. suck. Like right now when I see a school, and it's, it's so crazy that we see school shootings and shootings just all over where when I see it, I just, I, I just swipe because it's so common now and it's so crazy just as Pharaoh said we're so de- uh, uh, desensitized to it and we shouldn't be and which is great for these kids I don't know if you guys seen just like I was saying about the sit-ins and all this other stuff is that they're about to have a march um, a, a march on the 24th yeah on March 24th also so they're gonna have a march on March 24th yeah all <laughs> but over you know the sad so make thing? sure to you our listeners you, you're listening or you're uh, looking out for uh, it. 
You know the sad thing is, next year this time, nothing. It'll be the same. Yeah, same yeah it's climate. gonna be the same shit. Like, like. But I don't, don't want to tell have, these kids. These kids. I don't want to tell energy. these kids they're wasting their time. I don't want to tell them that. <sighs> but low key. But they're attacking they're the NRA time. right now. And Trump. Did you guys Good hear luck. that Trump put something towards uh, something against Congress? Like you know, he wants to now eliminate bump stock. But Good when luck. this was this when this happened during the Vegas shooting, you didn't hear shit about it. Look. Um, if you can Fuck walk NRA, into dude. if you can walk into a kindergarten and shoot, and up, shoot up kids after Sandy Hook, I, I've I've lost all faith Jeez, that I you can change this. Pro- yeah, this because pro- it was like it, it shot up a bunch. Of, I think the the most telling thing about even on this podcast, right? Mm. We have talked about shooting so Fact much that. that. We can't even. We don't even want to have the conversation anymore. It's exactly. boring. Like we've had it seventeen times. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying? Like we can't even have like an organic conversation about it because we we're just we have the same points and it, it shouldn't we're, be. We're that honestly way. not having the conversation <laughs> right now. As that we're having it and not having it right now. Yeah. Like, like this last five minutes is us not having having the conversation. Yeah. That's what we literally just did. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's so true. And just to give this um the stats out there to our listeners, nineteen schools have had shootings in 2018 uh 1600 mass uh shootings since sandy hook and 80,000 americans murdered by guns since sandy hook <laughs> like if they, and just as pharaoh said if they're not going to pass if they're not going to pass um any sort of gun uh gun control laws this is just going to keep happening it's yeah. just just going to keep happening but um i gave up after sandy hook yeah, yeah no. um all right so uh pharaoh i want to go on to this this new uh this new se- segment that we're calling the philosophy corner. So instead of star- stargazing uh, to our listeners um, that were with us, um, you know, season one, but also you know, to any new listeners, um, how we brought it in, um, you know, Pharaoh actually had a segment um, called stargazing. Um, but now we're going on into this philosophy corner, and um, Pharaoh actually wanted to, you know, bring in this um, allegory of the cave, which I never knew about by um, not Aristotle, Socrates, right? No. Wrong, wrong. Just let me tell it. Yes, please go ahead. Go ahead. This, this is why I say this. This, this is Plato. Thank you. But this is Pharaoh's segment. All right. So let me start just by simply telling you a story. All right, and I want you guys to interact with the story because it'll make it uh, go a little more smoothly. It fits in with the context of how the conversation is supposed to go. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. So imagine this. A group of people are born and die inside of a cave. Their lives are spent chained to a wall upon which they can only see darkness for but one exception. The behind them, the wall that they're chained to, is a fire upon which images are cast briefly on the wall in front of them throughout their time living there. If you were these people or could think like them, how important would you think these shadow figures on the wall would be to their way of life? Very important. Very, very important. All right. Imagine then that someone now gets free from these shackles, makes it up through the cave to the entrance, and is once now revealed to the light of the world. The sun's shining, there's green fields, but the light hurts his eyes to the point where it almost burns. It takes some adjusting, it takes some time. After a while, he starts thinking about the people in the cave. 
But while he's been gone, the cave is relatively sane with some changes. Now there are people in the cave who are starting to learn the patterns of the shadows on the wall. And they're starting to be given rank among the people all chained in the darkness. The guy who got out eventually comes back down in the cave. And on his way in, of course, now being exposed to the light, he's exposed to darkness again. He's stumbling and scraping his knee. So by the time he gets back down to his chained fellow, you must imagine he's pretty unimpressive looking. But he starts telling him, everything you see here is, is stupid. This is darkness. There's a light up there. This change. We get, a, get free from these shackles. Take you up there. But of course, the people are like, you're telling me you're crazy. No one's going up there. Look at you. You're covered in dirt. You can't see. Your eyes are hurt. Put the shackles back on him. So they chain him back to the wall. Eventually, he won't stop babbling about the sun and the world above and the night sky and everything he saw when he had gotten out of the cave. A plot to kill him. The allegory of the cave is philosophy's oldest lesson, upon which Plato originally tried to describe what it would be like to see the effects of education in the lack thereof on our nature as a species. The cave comes from Plato's one of Plato's greatest works called The Republic, which is a conversation between Socrates and another Athenian aristocrat. Most of Plato most of Plato's works are themed as Socrates having a conversation with other people. The reason being is Socrates lived during the same time, but never wrote shit. He was actually one of the forefathers of philosophy, but wound up being killed because the Athenians charged him with corrupting the youth. The allegory of the cave is written after Socrates' death. So thus it is explaining that even the most enlightened man, if he brings his findings back to people with such a harsh lesson, they'll kill him. And it talks about how to have the conversation upon how to expose people to enlightenment or knowledge or the thrill of thinking, which is to say, I don't know much of anything. No one really does. And then get the other person to start talking and just kind of rear them back on and guide them along the way of figuring out self-discovery, not so much telling them directly. Hmm. Questions? Yeah, so... um. So Pharaoh brought this to us. Um, I'm actually ready to do like this different change of uh, of, of this segment. Uh, so I was looking into this allegory of the cave, and it was really there's so many um, symbolisms, which is so interesting. So this happened. What what year would we say? I would say four four ten or four somewhere between the four hundred uh, uh, AC BC. I mean BC. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. No. No. Four hundred AC BC. Yeah trillion hundreds and hundreds of years ago and about a few thousand it's so it's thousand. so crazy yeah thousand yep and um no, no, about three it's so crazy that um he brought this uh, that that uh plato brought this this uh this up and it has so much profound knowledge and and significance in this world today because basically Basically, the allegory of the cave is, is, is saying that people are comfortable in their ignorance. You know, they're hostile to anyone who points who points not not comfortable, not comfortable, born into comfortable ignorance. Exactly. Born the into society comfortable you're ignorance, built yeah. in 
is based off popular thought. Mm-hmm. Popular thought tends to dictate around very menial things, yeah. like getting a job, getting a career, finding true love. Mm. These things that we force upon each other is the cave. Yeah. It's the world you're born into and getting to know thyself. Yeah. Plato's biggest concept is knowing who you are so you don't let the world you're born into dictate who you become. And those and that dictation also I just wanted to add too, that dictation is it's it's telling us uh, you know, to group concrete things, you know, like people and love, right? To group these con these these um concrete things under abstract terms, right? Like this is beautiful and this is not beautiful, you know? Um, so it's, it's so, uh, so interesting that this philosophy. Well, not, no, 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 not, this is beautiful. This is not beautiful. That's not it. What is beautiful? What is your definition of beauty? Why are you drawing the things and do you call them beautiful? What is the form? No, no, no. What I'm, I don't, uh, yeah. So what I'm saying, it, what I'm beauty saying, to you. yeah, what I'm saying is that yeah. what, what, um, what the world is now, right? And that's kind of where the social yeah. engineering, social restructuring of our mind has been is that, you know, we are, we are grouping concrete things under abstract terms. However, what you were saying in regards to, um, the allegory of the cave, um, uh, you know, in the story that you so eloquently yeah. said, you know, and I felt the passion, you know, that of this storytelling of the oh, yeah. philosophy corner, right? Um, but that, and that's, and actually, also, um, and let me just kind of, you know, add or modify my, my statement. There is more or less, isn't this the reason why, um, you know, those who are enlightened have such like a hard time, right? Um, you know, trying yes. to describe or tell normal. I don't know people or whatever the case is of but what that's the be. moral. Yeah, that's the moral of the story. Yeah. So Plato eventually the the creates something called like Socrateric discussion, and it basically describes just because you're someone who's educated, becomes enlightened, reaches the mountaintop, finds the truth, you can't then go back down the mountaintop and tell people they're stupid because they haven't been to the fucking mountaintop. Because yeah. then you're that is the that's, moral. Yeah theme of the conflict just because you're a liberal from the north yeah. you listen to me just because you're a liberal from the north doesn't mean you can go down to the gun trot in the south and tell them they're wrong for the mm. way they live their life mm. you just this is the basic concept mm. of human conversation how do i find compromise with another human being when i believe i have a better idea mm. i would even say too how do that- i sit at the table I would even say too that this um um this discussion um speaks to the fact that you need to be able to communicate your ideas as and that is as important as having the ideas. Um, if you look at the world of business, one of the things that's very apparent is that being too far ahead of your time is almost as dangerous as being too far behind your time. Um, if you have these these you know revolutionary ideas that nobody else has thought of, people may not be able to digest those ideas in any meaningful way, and they mm. will reject them. Yeah. So being able to create those ideas or being able to baby step people towards them, so instead of telling them when you arrive in the cave that, oh, you guys are totally wrong, I know this big, beautiful sun, this big, beautiful light, they may not be able to understand that. But putting it in terms that they do understand and baby stepping them through that process may make it more um, that, you know, that revolution, that evolution less painful for the masses and less painful for everybody around you to accept those terms Mm. yeah Yeah, like if i could give you one key to convincing that is start with doubt 
Start every conversation off with I have a very reasonable doubt, even if you don't have a doubt. You already know the answer. Like, dang, I don't think the government is really treating us right. And get people to be like, yeah, da 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 And be like, well, how could they get us to treat us better? da 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 Like, oh, well, that seems a little rough. Is there a better way? And do it that way of having conversation as opposed to directly going into Does that make sense? Did I explain yeah. that well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, just, uh, I was just looking into it and they were just saying this, um, this is a theory of forms. Um, things in the physical world are flawed reflections of ideal forms. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's like when like, you said beautiful, the reason I corrected you is because Plato's version of beautiful means if you see something beautiful, it may be because you see something deeply moral in it that you may be lacking in yourself. So you see that greatness in something you can't explain. So that's the essence of beauty. Yeah. And I, yeah, so I, was just describing gets, the, I was just describing the it, flawed reflections part of it, you know, um, which is such as the roundness and such as beauty, you know, um, specifically when they were making these statues, right? They had this flawed reality that you know, of the perfect anything, you know, but the ideal form shouldn't be that, you know, the ideal form should just be whatever you love, right? Whatever, you know, don't, don't, somebody is telling you what you should and should not like. That's the flawed form of it, you know? Um, or, or, or even like these guys in the cave, right? So they, these things were passing by anything it could have been somebody in a carriage and they're like, oh, that looks like a goat. That looks like a horse or whatever, you know? And they're putting these abstract forms or whatever is things that they don't know about, you know? Yeah, the allegory of the cave is a very deep one. Um, very it has, deep. It has, it has, it has a Good lot job, of different Pharaoh. layers and a lot of different um, structures that we could probably talk about for hours. Yes, no, that's very true. <laughs> that is very true. Um, so we're going to actually go I ahead. I mean, that's the whole point. Think that more. Is, that is true. And so we're going to continue this philosophy corner and, and I I really do hope that Pharaoh, I hope you keep that same energy of this storytelling um, part of it. Cause I actually, I was digging it, bro. <laughs> I, I, was, had the, I had the moment. I had I was, the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be back and forth. It didn't play out like that. <laughs> <laughs> so at this moment, actually, uh, we're going to go ahead and, and go into our music corner here. Uh, I actually have a, a mix that I just dropped for, for Valentine's Day, but this, of course, is a, is a different mix that I almost want to kind of add this, uh, of course, allegory of the cave to in regards to love and relationships and stuff like that. So uh, I'm going to play a quick snippet of that, and we're going to come right back after, after uh, this music. This is the Get Up Podcast Music Corner. This is my mix that I just recently put out on Valentine's Day called Vibrations of Love on MixCloud.com. DJ Bell. Hope you enjoy. Come and get your issue with the bang, bro. Where we bang? In the gray when the bang go. Try to bring forward. I'm going to tell you how the day go. Boop. We ain't talking that. Leaving and walking back. What kind of dude you think I'm heels? We got smoke. We can light up the just like a bucket of electric eels. Pull up your bandits. I pull up in the fandom. Hasn't anybody told you crack kills? Well, girl, you're killing me. I need your energy. You're giving me something I can feel. I feel in the right light. You looking like a girl I used to date. But now you in the white light. Ooh, if you're winning, then I'm winning. We can do it for the zeitgeist. Uh, girlfriend, girlfriend, turn in for the night right For your night life
So this is our happy hour. This is, of course, another segment that we changed. Uh, this still could be like our deep dive, our reasonably woke, but all of this is going to be encompassed under our happy hour. And <laughs> this happy hour, um, uh, S dot, I was gonna say Pharaoh, but S dot, um, we're gonna you know come in with some drinks because he's kind of our our local mixologist, our brother. That's a mixologist that takes passion and appreciation in drinks and liquor you know um so of course you know either we're going to be having something uh here unfortunately we don't right now but Estop probably got a, a a drink that you guys should uh should have or should check out uh yeah well i mean me and uh Bellevue and i's uh favorite one of our favorite drinks at least is the manhattan yes and um I think a lot of times people see all these drinks and have like 14,000 different ingredients, but I really feel like the best drinks are ones that have maybe like one or two ingredients to them and are just mixed really well. Um, the the key to honestly having a perfect Manhattan is having a really great bourbon. It's a very liquor fork forest um focused drink so when you're making one of these basically you're using three parts alcohol one part sweet vermouth and then you're gonna throw in like you know three or four dashes of bitters to it but as you can see the the drink is mainly concentrated on the alcohol that you use so you don't want to use some like rail garbage that you're using you're really gonna have um something that really tastes like a nice um, maker's mark that's my shit yeah, yeah, you like you know, makers. Um, yeah. I like uh, Buffalo Trace. Buffalo, Buffalo Trace, Trace is, We've had is that my here joint. a couple of times, yeah. And um, or um, Wild Turkey. I know people always sleep I on had that. Wild Turkey, in a but but I like Wild Turkey because it's like a hundred proof. It's extra strong and it really gives you, gives you that that um kick. But yeah, you know, you just mix those together. You don't shake it. Um, you stir it in a glass over ice. You stir it about 30, 40 times. Um, pour it in a you know in a um, martini glass, throw a, throw a cherry in there, and you get to like go. I don't like martini glasses. I don't. I, don't <laughs> like it. I, I mean, I'm secure in my, in my masculinity, but at times I feel like I just can't have a martini glass with that. But they Ooh. always give it to me in a martini glass, and so I'm that's like, the, that's the proper I, glass. Man. I was like, that's can I just glass. have like the what's the other like the. You just like it in whiskey glasses. Whiskey glasses, yeah. I like I like whiskey glasses. So um, I actually was in um, Richmond, Virginia, and they have I can't remember this um, bar slash restaurant, but they had a um, smoked um, a smoked Manhattan, and that's what first put me on to um, Manhattans. This was like back in 2013, 2014. So um, that was actually a really good one. So that was actually our happy hour, and now we're of course going to just sit around. I mean, and I'm hoping if to our listeners if you know you had a little drink or if you want some wine or whatever definitely pour it up because we actually wanted to go ahead and talk about the most anticipated movie um of 2018 and that of course is black panther i've already seen it twice um uh pharaoh has seen it twice Estad has, me and S, uh, Estad and i <laughs> yeah, actually we went, together you know so um this this film I mean, so many things that I we, you know, all spoke about it and agreed to come back and just dedicate one whole podcast to it because there are so many, you know, analogies and so so much, you know, significance in a lot of the scenes that um, we're playing throughout this movie um, so far. So we're recording this on a Tuesday. So far, uh, this movie has grossed over $201 million, is the second largest preview, or had the second largest preview night with $25.2 million, uh, and the second biggest Sunday film um, that just uh, came second to, uh, this is of course in the Marvel uh, franchise, but came second to The Force Awakens, um, and... uh, 
the Black Panther had 60.1 million and the Force Awakens had 60.6 million. So, you know, not not too much of a, a difference. You know, some, yeah, yeah, it's significant, it is, though. You know, it's a significant it amount of money. Yeah. Um, I also just want to con- continue to keep going just with these accolades right now. Um, so much for, for, for black people, um, you know, and people of color. Women turned out in force to see Black Panther. <laughs> like, it, they, made up, um, they made up about 45% of all ticket buyers. Um, and I just wanted to let you guys know a little bit more about the movie. So co-writers, the co-writers were all black, right? Co-writers were all black. There were no white Americans in featured roles, only in supporting roles. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, ninety-eight per. Uh, I want. I believe I heard this though, but like ninety-eight percent or ninety-seven percent um, of the women in this movie were all black females. Wow! It's like, but and if you think about it, like look at all of the um, the uh, the the me the. Um, Misha Dora, uh, what what was the guards? The guards of, of uh, I can't even pronounce the name, so I'm not yeah, gonna I can't myself. Even, yeah, I can't. Dora Majit. The door, yeah, the Dora Majit. Yeah, they were all of them were women. So this one, this this king is being protected by all women. This is great, man. Uh, Pharaoh, go ahead, man. Tell us how you um you know what you thought of this movie because just with these accolades alone, you know, I don't. It, it was I, a great movie. Uh, like as a movie, it's a good movie. Like, take away, even if it wasn't black people, like, it's a great movie. Mm. So, I, yeah, I give it that. Um, I, I loved it. I saw it twice. Uh, so many layers. There, I don't want to spoil it, but let people know. Spoiler alert. Yes. If you haven't seen it, I'm gonna stop this, listening right now. I'm like, going to put it on the, yeah, I just like, I'm put about it on to the ruin title. It. I'm about to ruin the movie for yeah, you. Right I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm like, putting it my, on the title. Hmm. My favorite part were the themes that it silently tries to hint at. But I'm starting to see a lot of people complain that on these little liberal ass black articles. Like you you guys are too woke. Mm. <laughs> Sense. You're like, don't get what was happening here. What have you seen? Uh like this one article I read, the dude was literally complaining about how the relationship between blacks and Africans uh, shouldn't have played out like that. If like Loki was the bad guy, they always let him live, but they killed the black guy. Like Tichi Kala could have found another way. Like, bro, you clearly didn't understand one royalty, two isolationism, and I don't see how the plot of this movie is really any different from any other royal movie where a family member wants to take the throne and has high military ambitions. So I don't like these complaints are ridiculous. <laughs> I also think too sometimes like people mistake the plot of a movie to like the plot of life in general and what they want to see happen. Like this is what happened in that movie. Um, it could have played out a lot of different ways. This is the way it played out. I don't know if that's a positive or a negative. It's just that's what they wrote for the movie Black Panther. I don't know why that needs to be judged mm. in in that way. Mm. It's just you know I that agree. was the that was the plot development. Also, kind of to add on to you know, Pharaoh <laughs> talking. That's the story, bitch. <laughs> yeah, like I don't. <laughs> yeah. So what, what Pharaoh was adding on to, um, or what I want to add on to Pharaoh's about like even like liberals, but there's been trolls. I don't know if they've been you know Russian trolls and so forth, but they've been putting up fake tweets that black youth like you know black you know men have beat up innocent white people um over this movie i don't know if you've guys seen it but a lot of these uh tweets uh you know have been uh you know we were in the movie theater and we went to go see this movie and uh, uh, and black guys came up to us and said this is not your movie and it's either you know smash the bottle over somebody's head but then it came out fake news. yeah fake fake news because they've they've um 
look back at these pictures and a lot of these pictures uh, have been, you know, pictures either, you know, definitely from other particular events. They also went with one of the pictures of um, what's that? We were just mentioning that guy who beat up, beat up his wife, Rob Porter. They put up a picture of Rob Porter's wife about the black eye oh, and, and, put, yeah. and then put that headline. So it's just been, there's going to be, they're, they're, gonna, they're trying to sabotage. They're literally it. the top, the top picture you find in the Google search. Exactly. Like, yeah, I was like, did you forget hard. about uh, Google image search? Like, <laughs> like, nobody else like, is going to look at that. We all yeah. did the same Google image search you did, so I used the top five pictures. But unfortunately, unfortunately, these tweets were tweeted four, about 400 times, were retweeted 400 times, but uh, Twitter quickly took them down. So they're trying to sabotage the shit, but that was not working. Motherfucker was coming out in droves. You saw uh, pictures of people coming out in, uh, like, coming to America outfits and everything. Wakanda. Wakanda. You know, me and my girl came out. Um, I had uh, take we had take me back to take me back to Wakanda sweaters. We had other people um, actually, and they also were saying if you didn't have any particular you know um, garb or any fashion or whatever, just wear all black. S dot wear all black. Yeah, you know how to black that bitch out. You know? <laughs> yeah, man, that shit was so crazy. So um, we want to go ahead and just talk about just three particular topics of the of the movie, like three particular. Um, you know analogies and 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 in particular um, uh, scenes that happen that we feel uh, you know are important to you know to talk about, but there are so many other ones that we, as I said, we agree to come back. You know, even have guests on because there's so much more to dissect with this movie. I feel like I need to see it at least one or two more times. <laughs> you know, definitely support um, if you haven't. You know, gone, gone to um, go see it in the opening weekend. Definitely go out to see it. So um, we want to go ahead. We, we, we want to first talk about what the relationship between you know Africans and, and African Americans, or do we want to t- basically uh, talk about the dangers of being too radical, like being too woke, right? Like you have to be reasonably woke. You know? <laughs> what do we? What do you guys? want to tackle first uh the easier one is probably the relationship okay let's uh, the relationship between africans and african-americans mm-hmm. yeah i no. mean i can just uh yeah what do, do you want to say rundown um so just like to do some background so in the movie one of the main conflicts is between the the king of wakanda and eric killmonger um eric killmonger kind of represents african-americans and um them being in their struggle and being really angry at the wakandans who have all of these resources and all this wealth and all this technology and not helping um blacks in their struggle against white oppression um in slavery and throughout the civil rights movement all those times when they could have used all this technology to help black people around the world but didn't um so that's sort of his his conflict within the movie um, my personal my personal opinion on it is that I feel like within the confines of the movie that that conflict worked really well and makes a lot of sense. Mm. But I feel like outside of the movie, I feel like people are trying to apply it to the relationship that African Americans and Africans have now, and I don't believe that it particularly holds. I don't I don't believe that there were a bunch of nations that kind of just like sat back and could have you know fought a war against Britain and France and Portugal and all these nations and won and feed black people. Um, I don't feel like that particularly holds. So when I see people trying to, you know, take that out of the movie and apply it to real life and be like, oh, that's what's really going on now. I just don't see that relationship holding. Well, what is really going on right now? Because there is I something. agree. Well, but Spencer's right. Like, if you really look at the combined histories, one, Africa is not one country. Africa is a continent <laughs> yes. made up of a multitude of countries, 
each with their own unique history and their own political stuff they got to deal with. So it's not like one of these nations is Wakanda. Like none of these nations have been Wakanda. None of these nations have been able to completely avoid colonialism in any way. You know what I'm saying? Like all of them have some way been other countries outside of the continent to get to where they are today or failed at that and have deteriorated. Like it's a multitude of bullshit. And to try to say African, that too. Like there was there a asset, Yeah, there are African countries right now that are doing very well that are mega cities. But it's up it's different countries. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not one thing. So it you can't just throw that out there without context. Yeah, I think even to play off of that, because I do I do like that point. I think that a lot of times people consider, they say like, oh, why doesn't Africa help? Like Africa is one country. But you would never say that really about Europe, right? Like you never really complain about the relationship between Germans and Italians. Like they should fight for each other because they are a certain distance away from each other. When Africa is like one of, if not the largest continent in the world, um, these, these, these cultures and these countries are hundreds of miles away from each other. Yet we, you know, expect them to have a very shared history and a very shared culture, which they don't. Yeah. And I heard that Italians from Italy aren't too fond of Italian Americans because of the whole snooky shit. They're not. And I, and I think that also kind of leads to another uh, concept where is that, it's hard to say that African-Americans should have a, a very close relationship with Africans in that we've been in this country for like 300 years. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like we have our own culture here. We have, we're, we're more American than most Americans. Because we built this fucking we, country. We, you know what I'm saying? Hold on. Yeah, and Spence, there are countries in Africa that don't even exist now, that existed 300 years ago, mm. that existed 400 years ago, mm. that don't exist now. Mm. Like the map's changed. So, you know, like... I, I just think that would I think that there there's so much more nuance and context to this, and I think that sometimes um, I think it just needs to be examined more. And I don't think that the movie I don't I don't even think the movie's meant to do that. But I think people try to try to kind of flesh that out of it, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's um you know necessary if that's really necessary. Yeah, and then they need uh, to pick some grapes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we need to. We're gonna we're gonna bring that back also. Um, and then also we wanted to talk about um just the relationship or, or, or more fair as you said the danger of being too of, of being too re- reasonably woke do do we want to go into that because so with um the danger of being too radical like this idea that if you gave black people around the world superior technology that by overthrowing white people they're going to live a better life so you go into that white, scene. Bro. so talk about that like, scene so with talk about so that like, scene so, like, one of the things I was reading recently was a, a critique of the movie about how Killmonger had a point. Like, you need to give uh, black people around the world or oppressed people around the world weapons so they can overthrow their oppressors. Yeah, so he wanted and to And this give, concept yeah. to me, mm-hmm. yeah, this concept to me from a black standpoint is muddied by this idea of, like, black supremacy. Like, we need to be at the top of the pyramid so we can do what they did to us. I don't think that in any way, shape, or form, one, solves the problem. Two, it's unrealistic. And three, you're just going to get us all wiped the fuck out. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it's an unnecessary and it's an unnecessary road to take given all the opportunities available to us in this age we could create a new path where we achieve greater than any other group that's ever came before us been trying to go out of the all circle. the suppressed uh, yeah then going into the circle of trying to fight them there's no point now mm. Like, uh, technology allows for us to create us our own people, our own way of life within this greater empire. Mm. Like, we're going to miss the greater opportunity seeking and revenge. Yeah. So like, that, that's really what the movie was about. Yeah, that's where... That's like, where, in uh, seeking revenge, you still accomplish nothing. Nothing, yeah, because... Be because he uh warmonger warmonger uh went through and wanted to get all of the vibranium um uh weapons and sell that and 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 send that to um you know because his father you know went radical also at when he when he was in oakland mm -hmm. so he wanted to you know arm uh all of the oppressed as he said so right. um no i definitely, mm -hmm. I definitely but all you do is become just like the white people you hate today like, that's my ultimate point. Mm. Like, what is the point of going to the mountaintop or gaining power if you're just going to do the very same thing someone did to you that you didn't like? Mm. I think also... Like, you didn't like it, now you're going to go do it. Like, there's no growth of, of spirit <laughs> or person, of people. I think it also goes to this flawed idea that, um, like you said, like black supremacy, right? That white people are inherently evil because they are white, not because they're in power. Um, if you look at if you look at the, the country of China, right? Like, Chinese were oppressed by white people in a very, not the same manner, but like very similarly. Similar, they were fed yeah, drugs, yeah. they were fed, they were taken to war. They, they suffered under yeah. imperialism and um, colonialism. Mm -hmm. But when from they, the British, right? Yeah, from the British. Mm -hmm. But when they came to power, they did the same types of things to their people. To their if people, you look at the. Um, the cultural revolution they were murdering their own people, people. by the hundreds of thousands by the yeah. millions yep. it's not something that's inherent due to your your you know your color of your skin or your culture or whatever it's just a it's, a it's a sort of power structure thing where anybody can become a tyrant anybody can become evil and anybody can become oppressor as long as they're given the right tools to do so mm. so it's not something that's but like a you know why you're black thing it's just a, a thing Esther, I would actually, I would actually expand your point to say that cycle of oppression is passed down. Someone oh, did something wrong to one person, and we've all been getting a little piece of that ever since. Like that's <laughs> really the story. No, but if you start going back, like someone beat up the British, for the Romans oppressed them, and then someone oppressed the French, and then before, like it just goes back and back and back till you just realize one person fucked one person up, and everyone's just been passing it along ever so, since. So, so someone with, had, but listen, yeah. someone has to end the cycle, and for me, the most most beautiful thing about black Americans is we may be the first people in history to truly have the capacity to end this cycle, to become a better group of human beings without kicking in the balls, the people who oppressed and just put us where we are now. So we and we're slowly doing that. Yeah, can, like even through all the bullshit. Yeah. And well, I would say that we can almost apply this, uh, apply this, um, allegory of the cave, um, yeah, uh, theory to to this also. Do you guys think so? Um, elaborate. Of course. So 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 basically, in regards to just um, you know, the theory the theory of forms, you know, the the ignorance of of, of people, right? So Pharaoh is saying, and I agree. Us as black people, we can be we can be better, right? So instead of us trying to come down, you know, come down in regards to uh, being the same same as people, we have to, you know, the the same as the people who oppressed us before. We become better. 
right? We don't try and come down and 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 tell uh and, and you know do the same old ignorant you know things uh, that are the previous you know dumb dumbasses did. We have to be better. Facts. You know, we yeah. take the next step. Someone yeah. in the human cycle has to eventually take the next step. Or guess what? You know, the most heartbreaking story to me is that when African-Americans first went back to Africa, guess what the fuck they did? Enslaved Africans. Yeah. Like, that oh, is shit. one of the saddest parts of the history of our people. Mm. Like, we're given a chance now. We're still next in line. But, like, if we don't end the cycle, no one else will. Yeah. And then, so what about like the Wakanda? What about the Wakanda segregation? So with T'Challa and uh, what was uh, um, to King T'Challa and what's his his father's name? It was it was something similar. King, um, do you remember Pharaoh? It was King T'Challa. Mm, King kinda. T'Challa was um, yeah. Well, so his father. So uh, in that time when they brought when he died and they brought him back, right? And um, you know he was speaking to his father uh, in you know in the realm, so to speak. Um, uh, you know, a vibranium or, or the, the the flower, right? The, he was saying the that you know. Plane. Thank you, the astral plane, right? So he's like, why is it that um, you know that you guys were wrong? He was telling his father that you were wrong, and his father was like, well, we need to try and protect our people, but it's like you're you're segregating those, you know, you're seg- you're segregating yourself just as. In this current time, as what Dotard is trying to do with us, you know. Yeah, the father's name was T'Chaka. T'Chaka, King T'Chaka. Um, so, so basically, the symbolism of of that particular scene, right, in the astral plane, mm-hmm. uh, with um, King T'Challa uh, telling his uh, his his father that you guys were wrong, and w- this present day where they're trying to close borders, uh, immigration, all this stuff, you know? Yeah, I think that even speaks to our, our point before where um, it's not something that's exclusive to white people to whatever, where people, if you have a coveted resource, if you have a certain amount of prosperity, you tend to want to protect it from other people. Mm. And that can turn you into a very isolationist, segregationist society. Mm. I mean, those policies of really not allowing anybody else in, you know, only working for Wakanda, Wakanda for Wakandans, you know, something like that. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a very Trumpian policy. Yes. Like, oh, we're not helping nobody else. You know what I'm saying? We got our thing right here. You know, where isolation is. You guys do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something straight out of uh, Steve Bannon's playbook. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. if you but really think you know about what? it, you, you know, it's also even that one guy, the Rhino, said it. He said, if we let people in from the world here, then we have yeah. the same problems the rest of the world has. Yeah. But if you tell me you want me to go out and clean up the world, I'm down. Like <laughs> that's a very that's a very real point of view. It is quintessential the nationalist point of view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any person who has ever loved or cared about their country to a very extreme, not even extreme, semi-extreme point, thinks that way. Mm. Like, my country's doing great. I know the world's fucked up. Do I want to bring up people from a fucked up place here? I've said it. Mm. <laughs> so it's a very real thing. Like, it, it's just human nature. It's a nationalist thing. Like I, don't I can contest to that, you know, guys, Ty's here. I'm always here. Um, but <laughs> I can contest to that with me having a studio here. You know what I mean? I'm mm. about a particular energy of an individual. So sometimes just like allowing, when you allow everything, you got to accept everything. Mm. You know what I'm saying? When you allow anything, you got to accept everything. And then that's what comes with like, you know, not people seeing your ways and people going against things and these shootings and mm. like, you know, it's like certain cultures. Like if you go to China, not some, not China, but you go to Japan or somewhere other where they have more 
uh, courtesy for one another. Just a simple thing as the escalator. Like, Americans get on the escalator and just stand in the middle of it like, like <laughs> I deserve to be here and you have to wait until I until the else like move to the side. We don't you know what I mean? There's certain things that's are in our culture that I feel like if that were to go into their culture, it would just fuck it up. Mm. And then Yeah, go ahead, Esther. No, I was just gonna say, um when when the idea is mentioned by um T'Challa's friend, the one with the rhinos, yeah. um it, it when you when he said it, it didn't even sound unreasonable. Yeah, and it sounded reasonable, yeah. I was like, Yeah, you're right. That's so true. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? And um <laughs> why would you let anybody else in? Fuck yeah. that. That's that's gonna be your, your problem. Your shit is too. going pretty well, that's very true. <laughs> like you're gonna let all of Africa in here? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, wait, you can't no, let them like, use up the vibranium. We need the vibranium. And I and I think it, it does lead to a, a certain point where, you know, like I, I think sometimes people take an idea and then they take it to the extreme to a point where it doesn't work. So when you talk about like the immigration debate, we've had debates on here already, but we all kind of agree that there is a certain level of immigration that that's productive. And then there's a certain level that that's not that's harmful. Um, and I, and I think that when he says that in the movie, it's meant to be something that sounds so ridiculous. And it's like, Oh my God, this is what Trump wants to do. Right? Like yeah. we should be like opening everybody in, but most people would agree. They're like, Oh wait, we have a resource. We need to, protect it and make sure it's being used optimally and we can help other people out but you know like we don't want to mess up this space mm. and there's something to be said about it now the level the the way it's given out the way it's conducted the policies behind it that's all debatable but that central idea is not a particularly wrong one okay um at least in my opinion yeah so i mean th- those are just the some of the topics that we wanted to discuss in right now and i know there's so many other topics that we're going to discuss and we're going to come back you know with guests and talk more about significance uh you know just throughout the entire movie right but just the sheer um groundbreaking um accolades that this particular movie has made just want to say one last thing that this director and this director's name is ryan coogler he's only 31 years old he's from oakland california he had about nine hundred thousand dollar budget for fruitvale station that was his first movie that he came out with and it made 16 million dollars so then he had a 40 million dollar budget for creed and that was um actually with michael b jordan in it and it made 173 million dollars so then he took this marvel movie where he had a 200 plus million dollar budget and then look of course where you know he's uh he's made that back and surpassed that and this is just the first the first uh you know few weeks or whatever the case is so that's the most i think ever just, i think i just i yeah. think i just saw that internationally he made 400 million dollars yeah look at that surpassing so surpassing. yeah he's looking at like a 2.5 multiplier bills yeah yeah, he um, paid the bills. He's pay, he's paying the bills and and you know they're 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 um they're doing their thing, man. So we want to see more. Of course, I know we were talking about hopefully they'll make a storm, you know, a storm movie. There's a lot they can do. I'm wondering this. if they're going to have Halle Berry in it again because she's just the original storm and, you know, she's, <laughs> you know, black don't crack. So, um but we're going to keep we're we're going to keep uh and great, we'll talk about. I mean, I don't know if we're gonna have. We're, we'll talk about what's her name later, Laura Ingram. We kind of missed it in the beginning. So. <laughs> oh well. I mean, she tried to. Or you can, two, I can. I can put two, it in the great field. Two point two seconds for, for my yeah. my last one. Oh, okay. When we when we do that. Oh, okay. All right. Um. All right. So, Farrell, tell us your gold star point, brother. This is we're about to wrap up this first episode, first podcast of the second season here of the Get Up Podcast. So on this 
first episode of the second season. I'm a little sorry I couldn't have been there in the studio. So, But my gold star point is be mindful of how you present your message. Think about it carefully and always start any conversation you really want someone to get with a moment of doubt. Doubt softens the door to the mind. Mm. That's my gold star point. That's that. Um, do you mind if I make two points? I just it's Black History it's, Month, it's so hard. I want to I want to talk about a specific <laughs> person. <laughs> However many points you want to make, brother, go ahead. Okay, well the first one is for if you you saw the you know you listened to the opening of our podcast that was a quote by Laura Ingram and um, she was basically saying that a comment from LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Um, she was basically saying they were unqualified to make comments about politics and about the pol- um, about the president, and that and nobody just- knows Laura Ingram. Just mind you, nobody knows who the fuck she is, but she's on Fox News. Just to let you guys know. Yeah, and she basically told them to shut up and dribble. Yeah. Um, and you know, I could go on for you know six hours soliloquying um about this, but I would just say one thing: if you voted for a president whose main accomplishment is being a reality TV star, you can no longer tell somebody else that they do not have an opinion based on what they do. Mm. That it just makes zero sense at all if you voted for Donald Trump and Donald Trump is your president. Um, the other thing I want to talk about on a on a lighter note is um for <laughs> <laughs> on a lighter note <laughs> we'll um, for Black History Month. There's somebody who I wanted to um shout out. So the first black billionaire, uh, first black millionaire in um, American history was a man named Jeremiah G. Hamilton, mm. and most people don't know about him because he wasn't a very nice uh, millionaire. He actually made a lot of his money by swindling people and really muscling white people on Wall Street. Um, one of the first ways he made money was by taking out um, charters on ships, um, filling them with goods, then setting them on fire, and taking all of the insurance money. Damn. Um, he was a really big hustler but by the end he actually had white people and this is like in the 1800s white people on wall street coming and trying to invest their money with him because he was such a powerful force on wall street he actually gained the name um the notorious colored capitalist um that's what he was referred to in newspapers all around the united states um so he's not somebody who you're going to read about in history books next to martin luther king but he is somebody of note because he was able to play the game a lot yeah. better than most people were and i just wanted to you know I bring thought, some light to his name i thought madam cj walker was the first uh, million or she's just the first, i think she was the first, first, first black bill oh female billionaire. yeah okay yeah she uh she had the the hair product and um and i think in regards to the money that she made then, what that equates to now is was was damn near a billionaire. Yeah, I mean, um, this dude, um, Jeremiah, um, his fortune was in today's money would have been worth uh, two hundred and fifty million dollars. Oh, okay, um, amen, amen. <laughs> and and black and and I try not to really celebrate Black History Month because black you can't uh, just as as uh, Samuel Jackson said or whatever you can't relic rel- uh uh you know dumb down my you know the black history to one month like we created this damn country and we know that we built that that white the, the white house just like michelle obama said uh in that speech uh that all of the republicans all the white people got all up in arms about you know um mm-hmm. so my gold star point is that um killmonger that amazing scene that he had at the end uh when he was watching the um when he was watching the sunset, he said, just bury me in the ocean with my ancestors who jumped from the ships because they know death was better than bondage. So that is my gold star point right there. 
that quote speaks to everything. Um, again, so this is the, the Get Up podcast. This is the first episode of our second season. Just like I said, we're like the Hess truck. We're back and better than ever. It's Hess truck. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Belby. Deuces. <laughs> Peace. God damn. It's a new day.